Well, welcome to our annual low attendance in-person Sunday. Um, this is probably a good Sunday to join online, right? For those of you joining online, we do welcome you here, uh, but the people that are here in person are much more spiritual than you. And so, uh, no, just kidding. But we're glad that you're here and that uh, we feel a little, little, little more tired than normal maybe today, but we're here and um, it's good to be together worshiping our awesome God. A couple months ago on January 2nd, the Buffalo Bills football team traveled to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. And just minutes into the game, DeMar Hamlin, a defensive back for the Bills, made a tackle. But after the tackle, he stood up and then suddenly collapsed, going into cardiac arrest. I was watching the game, and you could tell right away how serious it was. The body language of the players and coaches told the story. It didn't take long for a prayer circle to form on the field. Players and coaches took a knee, begging God to heal their friend and teammate. Former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky took a moment during a live ESPN broadcast to say a prayer for Hamlin. Here's what Orlovsky prayed on the air. He said, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad, we're angry, we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. We just want to truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, be with his family to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. We believe in prayer. And we lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. Wow, what an incredible prayer. And to do that live on the air was truly, truly awesome. But together with all the prayers that were being prayed, God responded in a big way. Over the last 10 weeks, Hamlin has made a remarkable recovery and is doing well. In fact, he eventually hopes to play football again. But you know, there are times like this in life, and it happens far more than we'd like to admit where we are totally, I mean totally out of control and dependent upon God to act. I mean, if God doesn't do something, we're in trouble. And so it's in those times that we're especially compelled to pray, and that's a really good thing. But if we're not careful, prayer can become like a 911 call where the only time we pray is when there's an emergency. Now, we, we absolutely need to pray when there's an emergency. But God has so much more for us. In fact, he invites us to come to him anywhere, at any time, no matter the situation. And this should really, I think, boggle our minds. That there is a 24-7 open invitation for us to converse with the creator of the universe. We have free and open access to the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, eternal God at any moment. Isn't that crazy? And here's why. Here's why God wants it that way. And that is that he desires a relationship with us. God desires a relationship with us. In fact, he created us to have a relationship with him, and that relationship is formed and built through prayer. See, Jesus 
had this close and special relationship with God, his father, and his disciples saw it. I mean, Jesus prayed a lot. There there were times we read in the gospels when he spent all night talking with God. I mean, prayer was sweeter to Jesus than sleep. And so one day his disciples were like, man, we want that too, which led them to say, Jesus, man, would, would you teach us to pray like that? And that's exactly what Jesus does. Over the last several weeks, we've been in this series called How to Pray. We've been looking at a passage of scripture in Luke 11, where Jesus teaches his disciples, including us, how to pray. And so I want to turn to that passage again today. So if you could turn with me to Luke chapter 11 in your Bible, that would be great. If you do not have a hard copy of the Bible, you can take one of the Bibles on the chair rack in front of you. That's our church's gift to you. If you need a hard copy of the Bible, you can also use the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet. We're doing this series in conjunction with More of God. More of God is a season of prayer and fasting that we're in that goes right up to Easter Sunday. Today marks four weeks until Easter. And so there's still plenty of time to pray and fast if you haven't had a chance to do that yet. One of the resources we've made available back in the Next Step area is this little book entitled Prayer and Fasting. It's It's a quick, easy read. On page 40, it says this, the greatest obstacle to prayer is the simple matter of beginning. Well, I really think that's true. That the greatest obstacle to prayer is the simple matter of beginning. Christian author uh, Richard Foster writes this. He says, prayer is like any other work. Our prayer muscles need to be limbered up a bit. And once the blood flow of prayer begins, we will find that we feel like praying. And so in this season of more of God, we kind of want to limber up, right, our prayer muscles. We want to strengthen our relationship with God. And that happens as we pray. We just need to do it. We need to jump in and begin. And Jesus shows us how. Look at at Luke Luke 11, verse 2. It says, Jesus, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now notice again that this prayer starts with God, not us. In fact, prayer is all about God. We want him to be glorified in all things. Jesus summed it up in John 12, 28 when he said, Father, glorify your name. That's it. We want his name, everything that he is, to be treated as holy. We want him to be honored as God. We want his kingdom, his rule and reign to come to this earth. And that starts with us, his sons and daughters. And then the prayer continues in verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So if we're wondering how to pray and even what to say, 
Jesus teaches us the way right here. There are two requests focused on God and three requests related to us. And and I want to unpack the us requests today. First, give us each day our daily bread. In other words, number one there in your outline, ask for God's provision of daily needs. We pray that God would provide the basic necessities of life, and, and we trust him for that. You know, immediately after World War II, the Allied armies gathered up many hungry, homeless children and placed them in large camps. There, the children were abundantly fed, and they were, they were cared for in a, in, a, in a great way. However, at night, they did not sleep well. They, they seemed restless and afraid. And finally, a psychologist hit on a solution. After the children got in bed, they were each given a slice of bread to hold. Now, if they wanted more to eat, more was provided, but this particular slice of bread was not to be eaten, it was just to hold. And that slice of bread produced marvelous results. The, the, the children would go to sleep subconsciously feeling it would ha- they would have something to eat the next day, and that assurance gave them a calm and peaceful rest. Now, for most, if not all of us, we do not lose sleep over where our next meal is going to come from. Uh, we live in a land of plenty. But this prayer reminds us that God is ultimately our provider and that we are utterly dependent upon him. We cannot survive, let alone thrive, on our own. We we desperately need God's help. You know, even Jesus, God in human flesh, made this declaration in John 5.30. He said, by myself, this is Jesus, by myself I can do what? What's that again? By myself, I can do nothing. nothing. Very good. Just, just making sure you're still with us. I know you lost an hour of sleep. It's okay. All right. But yeah, Jesus, by myself, I can do nothing. So where does that leave us? I mean, we need to say daily, right here, what Jesus said. You know, I need God. In fact, turn to the person next to you right now and say that. I need God. Go ahead. I need God. Now, I know you're tempted right now, and we're going to get to the temptation part of the prayer to say, like, yeah, you sure do need God, yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that. But yeah, we, we need God. I need God. I mean, we need him for our next breath. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe laid in bed at night and just kind of felt your heartbeat? God, man, thank you. Thank you for my next breath. We need him for our next meal. We, we need God for our next everything. And so we pray, give us each day our daily bread. Now, have you ever considered or thought about what the answer to this request involves? On, on like a physical, practical level. I mean, think about it. The rain, the sun, the wind... The soil, so many things have to be right for crops and plants and trees to grow, not to mention the sweat and labor of humanity, like our farmers, sowing in springtime, reaping in autumn, 
I mean, God created an environment where all of this can happen, and I think it further shows how dependent and small we really are. But you know, this request goes to another level as we pray and fast. You know, praying for our daily bread might just make our tummy rumble, right? We, we long for something to eat when we're fasting. But what we really need is not food. What we really need is more of God. Look at what Jesus said in John 4.34. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Wow. May the same be true of us, that doing God's will is the food. Doing God's will is the bread that satisfies us most and nourishes our soul. Now, the next two requests go from our physical needs to our spiritual needs. And our greatest spiritual need is forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who sins against us. Or do we? You see, there, there's an attitude here in this prayer. There, there's a posture that's required for receiving forgiveness from God. And, and that's a willing spirit to forgive others. See, the hand that reaches out to God for forgiveness cannot withhold forgiveness to others. As disciples of Jesus, as followers of him, we are to be ready and willing to forgive. But that's hard, isn't it? I, mean, I, I tell you, forgiving others has got to be one of the hardest things to do. You know, may, maybe you had a parent abandon you. Maybe you had a spouse walk out on you. Maybe you had a close friend or family member turn on you. And there is such deep, unimaginable hurt and pain in that. And as a result, it's, it's easy to want to lash out in anger and to become bitter. And I think, I think that's why Jesus taught us to pray this. That's why I think he said, when you pray, say, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Not only are we saying, forgive us, but we're also saying to God, help us to forgive. Because there's no way we can do this on our own. I was reading a story about a guy named Tom Cole. He was a judge in Washington County, Oregon. And he was especially harsh toward drug addicts that were charged with crimes. But Tom's attitude changed when his own daughter, Megan, started abusing drugs. As he saw her sinking deeper into drug abuse, his sympathy for drug addicts grew, and so he began a drug court. Drug court is an intensive treatment program that Tom hoped would help his daughter and others. Tom said, my wife and I were praying that Megan would be brought into the system because she wasn't being accountable to anybody. Well, their prayers were answered when authorities charged Megan with meth distribution, but she would never have an opportunity to face justice. Nearly two months later, at the age of 21, Megan was murdered. 
And Tom shared, it's a parent's worst nightmare. But, but in the midst of, of the tragedy, Tom found hope in his relationship with God. Tom said, you either turn to God or away from God in situations like that. And fortunately for him, he turned to God. And this decision to turn to God saved Tom from being unforgiving toward Robert, the man who murdered his daughter. Here's what Tom said. He said, unforgiveness turns into bitterness and anger, and that can just ruin your life. Unforgiveness is a prison. When you come to a point when you can forgive, you're set free. During the trial, Tom came face to face with Robert. And Tom said, I had a chance to tell him in court that I had forgiven him before I even met him, which was only possible through the presence of Jesus Christ in my life. The jury sentenced Robert to life without parole. Shortly thereafter, God put it on Tom's heart to visit Robert in prison and talk with him. During the visit, Tom spent an hour with Robert, and Tom recalled that after 15 minutes, he had nothing left to say. And that's when he asked Robert if he had, if he had any questions in return. And Robert said, I'm so sorry, Judge. How can you be so kind to me? At that point, Tom said, I knew that Jesus had opened the door for me to talk about the gospel. And Tom spent the rest of his visit telling Robert about his faith in God. Shortly thereafter, a book was published, written by Tom, chronicling the story called Losing Megan. Tom said, I thought I was writing the book for people who had suffered the loss of a child, but the door opened for me to start going into prisons to speak about hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Tom concluded... There are a lot of people in prison, and I would say not in prison, who have that unforgiveness. You have to ask God for the power to forgive. We all struggle with it. You need to get down on your knees every day and ask God to help. You know, maybe today that's what you need to do. You need to get down on your knees and ask God to help you forgive. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Do you remember what Jesus said from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, this prayer also assumes the regular need for confession of sin. We need to, number two, ask for God's forgiveness from sin. Now, to be clear here, the issue in the context of this prayer is not salvation, but spiritual formation. The scene here is not a courtroom where final judgment is being pronounced. Rather, it's a family setting. Remember, God is our Father. This is a family setting where a son or daughter confesses sin not to become or remain a part of the family, but in order that nothing should spoil the relationship. And we don't want anything to spoil our relationship with God, right? 
And so we come to him regularly acknowledging our sins and our struggles. And through that, we receive the grace and the cleansing we need. The Apostle John writes these words to Christians. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And what? Purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, confession brings healing and freedom. God knew that the best thing for our emotional, relational, spiritual, and even physical health is to live a life of regular confession. To bring into the light that which is in the darkness so that sin might be done away with. Puritan theologian John Owen once wrote, he said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Friends, that's how serious sin is. And so we pray, forgive us our sins. But you know, we don't stop there. There's one more request and lead us not into temptation. This is where we, number three, ask for God's protection against temptation. You know, last year, a news story came out about a javelina. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. A javelina, also known as a skunk pig. Ever heard of those or seen those? But the story came out that one of these javelinas was found stuck inside a car. According to the Arizona's uh, sheriff's office, a deputy responded to a call and found the animal inside a Subaru wagon. Local residents said the hatchback of the car had been left open overnight and the javelina jumped inside in in an attempt to eat a bag of Cheetos. (laughs) But once inside, the hatch closed. And unfortunately, the the closing of the hatchback frightened the animal and caused it to tear through the dashboard and and the passenger seat in an attempt to escape. It also inadvertently shifted the car into neutral, which then rolled down the driveway and into the street. Upon arriving on the scene, the deputy released the animal, confirming that there were no injuries. Now, we can be like that javelina, right? It may not be Cheetos, but there are plenty of other temptations out there, right? And when we feed our evil desires, and when we feed the temptations that are around us, it can lead us into sin, and like the javelina, we can find ourselves trapped. You know, the night before Jesus was crucified, he told his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And isn't that true? We are weak. I know I am. As the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are all too capable of falling into temptation and sin. And so we must regularly, daily, ask God for his supernatural help and protection. And you know what? I think the key here is, the key is we must do this together. Did you notice this prayer Jesus taught is a group prayer? Did you notice that? Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us 
our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. This is to be prayed together. This is a corporate prayer. We are a family. And there is strength and support in that. And so let me just ask you today, who is your prayer partner? Who's got your back? Who's praying with you against the temptation that you're facing? Man, we got to get others and we've got to pray together. You know, one way you can do that is to join us for prayer here in this room each Sunday night as we are in our More of God season. We're going to be gathering here again tonight from 5 to 6. Anyone is welcome. It's very low-key, casual. We're just going to come in here, and we're just going to spend an hour just praying to the Father. I hope you'll be there for that. But let me ask, what would happen? What would happen if you prayed the way Jesus taught to pray? What might happen in your life and in your world? We're going to try something a little different today. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come out right now. We're going to close the message with a song. And as they do that, I want to ask again, what would happen if you and I prayed the way Jesus taught us to pray? Where does it start? Father, right? Yeah, that, that's where prayer starts, with a relationship with God the Father. Hallowed be your name. We want God to be treated as holy. Your kingdom come. We want God to rule and reign in our lives and world. Give us each day our daily bread. We need God's provision for our daily needs. We are so dependent upon him. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. We need God's forgiveness, and we also need the heart to forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. We need God's protection from the enemy and the power to resist evil. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And so let's make this our pattern. Let's make this our passion when we pray. You know, the band is up here. And don't you appreciate our band, our worship team? Can we give them a hand real quick? Yeah. Last year, I think it was while we were on our Out West vacation last summer, I, uh, I heard a song that was just so powerful. And I never heard it before. It's been out, I think, for a couple years now. But as I was putting together this message, I was like, man, we need to do that song. It's a song that, that really moved me, and it's a song about prayer. And the song really challenged me to teach others to pray the Jesus way. See, Jesus has taught us how to pray. Now, we need to teach others how to pray as well. We need to pass on the practice of prayer, particularly to those in the next generation. Our nieces and nephews and our sons and our daughters. And so our worship team is going to sing this song for us. But before they do, let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Father, I pray for my friends here today that we would start talking to you this way and that we would do it for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.